And so, all right, well, the time we have left this evening, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter number 11 in our Bibles tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we'll begin in verse number 1. And if you're able to, I would invite you to stand as we look at our text this evening, Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray now that you would bless the uh, preaching of your word. I pray, Lord, that you would fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be opened to your word. Would you shape us and mold us more into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is for his honor and for his glory that we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you think of the work of missions and church planting like a, a three-legged stool, there are three components that make it work, and they're all equally important. First is, is to pray. In Matthew 9.38, Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Secondly is to give. Luke, in Luke 6.38, Jesus says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running down shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And the third component is to go. Again, Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We need each one of those components for missions to work. If any one of those things is lacking, then missions will not work. But tonight I want us to focus on the second component of that, and that is giving. Giving to missions. I want to say this, those that God calls to go cannot go if those that God calls to give do not give. Let me say that one more time. Those that God calls to go cannot go if those that God calls to give do not give. So maybe you'll never go to a mission field, but if you give, then missionaries can reach the field that God's called them to. Now what happens when you don't give, when, when you don't obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit to give, to be generous? with what God has blessed you with. Well, first, you deprive yourself of God's blessing. You know, God wants to bless us. He wants to bless you. But if you are withholding what you know you ought to give, then you are putting yourself in a place to, to um, remove yourself from the place of God's blessing. So first, you deprive yourself of God's blessing. Secondly, you deprive the missionary of much needed support. Uh, nothing is cheap, especially in California. Gas is expensive. I, 
I hate leaving home, but, but one thing I do like about leaving home is I don't have to pay four fifty a gallon for gas. <laughs> I get to pay like two fifty or two sixty or two seventy. Um, so it's expensive. It's expensive, you know, gas, groceries, a building, tracks, Bibles, um, a place for for us to live. You know, all of those things they all cost money, and they don't give it. A, they don't give us a discount because we're in the ministry. <laughs> um, so the missionary is deprived of their needed support. And lastly, and most importantly, you deprive the lost of a chance to receive the gospel. That, you know, that's a missionary that's not going to get there. They're not going to get to their field. and They're not going to be able to, to witness to people and, and, and share the gospel with people and, and baptize them and disciple them. So that's what happens when we don't give. You know, and missions giving ought to be the natural outflow of the believer's generosity. It ought to just flow out of us. We just would want to give. Let us consider the example of the churches in Macedonia, as described in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8. Paul writes this about them. It says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God. The churches at Macedonia were not rich. They didn't have all the money in the world. But they gave. They gave out of their says, out of their poverty. They gave. They were generous people. They were generous churches. They were willing to give. And that started not with, not with money. It started because they first gave their own selves to the Lord. They first put themselves out there and said, Okay, Lord, how can you use us? In whatever way you want to use us, Lord, we are, we are giving ourselves to you so that then you can use us however you see fit. They didn't have it to give in the first place, and yet they were very generous believers. So what can we learn about generosity in missions from our passage tonight? Well, first we can learn that generosity is blessed by God. You look at verse number one again. It says, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. The Bible says that God blesses us when we give. We are blessed when we give. Acts 20.35 says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. God has promised us that if we give, we will find it after many days. That's what this verse says. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. You know, there's, there's, there's an implication there that, that we won't give, we won't cast our bread upon the waters because we're afraid we're going to lose it. Well, God gives us that reassurance. If you cast your bread upon the waters, if you're generous with your substance, you'll find it after many days. You will find it again. And God, in, in the area of finances and giving, God tells us to prove him. He says that. Turn to Malachi chapter number 3. Malachi chapter 3. The only part of Scripture where God, where God says, I want you to prove me now. Prove me. Put me to the test, God says, and see that I won't bless you. So Malachi chapter number 3. And in verse number 8, the Bible says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. 
Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. When was the last time you as a Christian, you put God to the test, where you allowed him to prove himself to you? You know, a lot of believers are not living by faith. They're living by sight. They have everything figured out, especially financially. They got their checking account figured out, their bank statements, everything's figured out. And so they don't have to act upon faith because they have it all figured out. Well, we as believers, we need to put God to the test and just prove him. As he says, give and see if God will not bless us. You know, God wants to show up in your life. He wants to prove himself to you. He wants you to see how good of God he is, how generous he is, how much he wants to bless you. The problem is, is that we don't oftentimes put ourselves in a place to receive that blessing. We don't let God show himself to us. Again, we try to figure it out. We try to plan it. We try to make sure that, that we know it's going to work out in the end. Rather than just say, Lord, I've done what I know to do. I've obeyed. And I'm simply trusting you, Lord, in this situation. We often want God, or even expect God, to work on our timetable. Do we not? We have everything scheduled and planned. Okay, Lord, this is how it's supposed to happen. I'm supposed to be here. We're supposed to plant the church on this date, Lord. And it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, that, you know, we're supposed to move into this house on this date, Lord. And it doesn't happen. Lord, I was expecting this job. And then I was going to, you know make my decisions based on that, and Lord, it didn't happen. You will find, you will find it after many days, the Bible says. Maybe not quickly, but you will find it after many days. The return may be slow, but it is sure. Return is plentiful. You know, wheat, uh, one of the most valuable grains, lies longest in the ground. It, it, it takes a while. We as believers need to have patience. When we make investments in things, when we invest financially in missions, you may not see the fruit of that work for a long time. It might take weeks, months, years, sometimes even decades before you see the fruit of that investment. You see the, the return on that investment. But the Bible makes it very clear in our text. If you cast your bread upon the waters, you will find it after many days. You know, long voyages sometimes make the best returns, yield the best returns. Now, you are going to spend your life investing in things. You are. That's what we all do. Let's, in, let's invest in that which is eternal, right? Let's, let's spend our time and our treasure on that which is eternal. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, he said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your, will, will your heart be also. How are you spending that which God has given you? What are you doing with what you have been entrusted with by God? All of the money in your bank account, in my bank account, all of the time that we have, whatever abilities God has given you, those, those come from the Lord. How are you using those things to honor Him and to glorify Him? But generosity not only is blessed by God, it also comes from a grateful heart. 
Look at verse 2 and 3 again. It says, Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. And then God uses this beautiful illustration from nature. Verse number 3, If the clouds be full of rain, what do they do? They empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. You know, when the clouds are full, what do they do? They empty themselves. What a beautiful illustration of how we ought to be. Those that are most grateful typically are the most generous. Have you, have you noticed that? Those that are the most grateful typically are the most giving. Why? Because we're full. We're, we're satisfied. We're full of the Lord. We're full of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're content. And so we don't think twice about just giving. Just as it is natural for the clouds to empty themselves. It is natural, it is, it is natural also for a carnal man to be greedy with what he has. It is our natural state to want to keep what we have, right? Because we think it's ours. It belongs to us. It's mine, right? It's one of the first things kids learn, <laughs> right? They learn that. Mine, mine, right? Nobody has to teach them that. They, they, they know that. It's in their nature, that sin nature. You know, some say what they have is their own. And maybe you've thought that sometimes. When God is impressing you, maybe give to that ministry. Give, give a, an offering to your church above your tithe. And you think, but Lord, it's mine. This belongs to me. And they may say, well, why should I give that which belongs to me to someone I do not know? Right? Why should I give this missionary, this, this ministry? I don't know them. Oh, I'll give them my church because I know my church and my pastor and the people here. But those people in California or China or India or Brazil, I don't know them. Why should I give to them? You know, that's the attitude that Nabal had in 1 Samuel chapter number 25. You know, King David and his men, they're on the move, on the run. They're tired, they're hungry, they need provision. And Nabal has all this stuff. And this is what he says in, in verse number 11, 1 Samuel 25. He says, shall I not then take my bread? Notice what he says, my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my servant, my shearers, and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be. You see the attitude there? Mine. This is mine. It belongs to me. This is, this is my stuff. And easy to condemn Nabal, but, but we often are like that too. This is my stuff. I can't give it away. If I give it, then I won't have it. And if I don't have it, then I won't have what I need. See, the, the carnal man thinks that he gains by holding on to what he has, right? Isn't that how we think that our natural man thinks that? Oh, I gain when I keep things. But 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's gain. Godliness coupled with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So why are we trying to hold on to it so hard? We can't take it with us. Right? All this paper money, all this stuff, everything that you can see with your eyes right here will one day be destroyed. Everything including our flesh. It, it's corrupt. It will be destroyed. So why, why invest in that kind of stuff? Let's invest in that which is eternal, that which is spiritual. Godliness coupled with contentment produces a, a generous attitude, an 
overwhelming well, attitude of just generosity I want to give. And the great gain mentioned in 1 Timothy 6 is not necessarily financial, but rather spiritual. Think about what you gain when you give, what you gain as a Christian, what you gain as a believer. And some do not give because they believe it makes no difference. They think, well, that, that's, that won't make a difference. Think about the trees mentioned there in verse number 3. They are where they are, right? They're, they're rooted. They're firmly rooted where they are. And they are rooted where they are. They're stuck, right? They're not, not moving. But they're a benefit wherever, to whatever is around them, right? They provide shade, um, maybe food in the form of, of foliage, um, they're a, they're, they're a great benefit to the surrounding area, even though they are where they are. Wherever God has placed you, be rooted there and then be a blessing to those around you. Right now, you're here. This is where God has placed you. Be rooted here. Be involved in, in the ministry here. Don't just be a consumer. Be a participant. I had a, a veteran pastor um, who's now involved in, in helping church plants, he told me, he said, in a, any church there are owners and renters, right? The renter just pays and, and then, you know, has no investment in it. But an owner invests, because that's a long-term proposition. Be an owner here. See what you can do to help grow this ministry, to, to be a blessing to others. Don't, you know, don't think, well, don't always be looking for a, you know, greener pastures, as they say. Don't always be looking for something better. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect church. But there are good churches. And you're in one. Let me encourage you to be a blessing here where God has placed you. God may move you, like for us. We were very involved in our ministry, in our, our home church. Very involved in music, teaching children. I was the deacon. I was a deacon. I was the treasurer. That's that's a that's a full almost a full-time job, a treasurer. And we were heavily involved, but God said, "Okay, now it's time for you to move on. I'm going to send you out." And God may do that with you. But until then, make sure that you're here in your place. You're faithful to the ministry that God has placed you in. Just like that tree you grow where God has placed you. But also, generosity marks a faithful person. Marks a faithful person. Look at verse 4 and 5 here of Ecclesiastes 11. The Bible says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. You know, that, that's an interesting way to describe it. There's always those that are looking for looking around them at the circumstances as to reasons why they can't do or why they can't give. And verse number 5 says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb, or of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God, who maketh all. The carnal man looks for excuses not to give. And he might say this, I'll give it, when I have it to give. Have you ever thought that to yourself sometime? I'll give it when I have it to give. That is not a spiritual mindset. If you think that, you'll never have it to give it. The faithful man, 
as opposed to the carnal man, the faithful man looks for opportunities to give. Jesus said in Luke 16.10, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So if you don't give it now, you're not going to give it then. Because if that's your attitude, I'll, ha I'll give it when I have it. And then when you do have it, you'll find another excuse. I'll give it when I have more. I don't, I don't yet have enough to give. I can think back to when I was um, in my uh, young adulthood. And I just started, um, I just joined our church there um, in Escondido. And I was giving to missions. I was involved in Faith Promise Missions giving. But I wasn't giving that much. I didn't make very much money at that time. I was working like one day a week. And I was looking for another job. But it was, it was pretty rough. And I remember at the end of our missions conference, when we took our Faith Promise commitments, God laid it upon my heart. I want you to give five more dollars. I forget if it was week per week or per month. I don't remember. Now that doesn't seem like a lot. But for me, it was making like no money. That was a lot. And I could barely afford the gas to get to work to get the money that I got, to earn the money I got. But God said, I want you to give more. And I said, Lord, I, okay. And you know, it wasn't long after that that God blessed me with a full-time job, a very good job that paid well. And that was important because at the time I was, my wife and I, I was, where we started that process of dating and, and, um, and I knew I needed to have a better income. <laughs> if I was going to marry this girl, I got to be able to provide for her, right? But God provided. And I gave it, even when I necessarily didn't have it to give. It's just, it's just following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. See, if you're faithful in the little, the little things, right? The things that, that sometimes we think don't matter. We think, well, they're not big, so why does it matter? Well, it matters to God. And if you're faithful in those little things, God knows he can trust you with more. So what will he do? He will place more into your hands. He will, he will entrust you with more. It's true in finances, but also, also true of a lot of other things. If he knows that he can trust you with what he gives you, he's going to give you more of that thing. You know, if, we, if we magnify every difficulty in life, and we make the worst of it, conjuring up you know, all this hardship and danger where there is none. And we're constantly looking for an excuse not to give. What happens is that we shall never go on, or we shall never go through with our work, nor make anything of it. It's just going to be, be nothing. We're never going to get the job done. If we're constantly looking for those excuses, the reasons that we come up with why we can't give, why, why we can't participate, um, why we can't go, why we can't get involved, and we're always looking for excuses. <coughs> you know, um, the average cable or TV streaming bill is about $80 per month. $80. That may not seem like a lot, but that's the cost of about 1,000 gospel tracts per month. It's a cost of about 16 Bibles or so, depending on, on the quality of the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. So think about that. Think about what that can do. You can send out a thousand gospel tracts by just saying, you know what, I'm not going to have cable anymore. I mean, no, you can keep it if you want, but, but that's a thousand more gospel tracts that can go out. And that's so true of all some of the things that we spend our money on that we don't really need to be spending our money on. 
when we give, when we give financially, when we give sacrificially, when we give of ourselves, we embody what Christ did for us on the cross. Yeah, he came to serve, not to be served. And so for a Christian, we ought to serve, not look for ways to be served. We ought not to come to church and think, okay, what can they do for me? What can I get out of it myself, you know? Gimme, gimme, gimme. It's about me. No, it's about, okay, what can I do for each other? What can I do for others? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And we ought to follow his example. As we grow in our faith, it becomes more natural for us to give. And that is agape love that is mentioned throughout the New Testament, oftentimes translated as charity. Charity, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about that. It's that agape love. It's self-sacrificial love. The Bible describes it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. And this phrase is important. Seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. See, when you and I, when we seek our own, when we seek our own, it doesn't take much to stop us from, from doing what God wants us to do. If we're looking out for ourselves first, then the slightest thing that might throw us off will stop us. If we're seeking for our own benefit, if that's what we're looking for, if that's what we're in it for, it won't take much to stop us won't make, take much to stop us from giving. If we, if, you, if we view our finances as something that we have to hold on to with a tight-fisted grip that we can never let go of, then every little thing that could keep us from giving, will allow it, we will allow it to stop us. And we won't give. We won't be generous as God wants us to be. There are those that will be deterred and driven off by every small and seeming difficulty, and they'll be thrown off from great and real duties. And those that will, will never bring anything to pass in Christianity. For there will always arise some wind, or some cloud, or something other, at least in our imagination, to discourage us. And that's what we do sometimes, is that we think, I can't, I can't give. I can't give like I know God wants me to give. I might give a little just, just to say that I've given. But I won't do because ah, it's just, you know, I just can't do it right now. And we're constantly looking for excuses. Generosity marks a faithful person. Faithful to give. Faithful to love. And then finally, generosity is just the right thing to do. Verse number six there in our text. In the morning sow thy seed. And in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether it shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. You know, we don't know all that God will do with what we give. You know, God, the money that you give to missions, there are things happening with that money that you might never even hear of. You might not even know about it, but it's happening. Maybe a soul that's saved, person baptized, a, a marriage restored, 
a, 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 a drunkard getting victory over alcohol, a man getting victory over lust, a child learning to obey their parents, a man called to the ministry, called to pastor, called to be a missionary. We, we don't know all that God is doing. But let's not let that stop us because we don't know. To think, well, I don't know everything that's going on, so I'm not going to give. You know, God's ways are far greater than any, any of our own ways. They're far greater. Uh, turn to Isaiah chapter number 55. Isaiah 55. God tells us here in this portion of Scripture, He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, and look at verse number 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Every mission's dollar that you give goes to verse 11 right there. Getting the word of God out across the world. Across the world. And God says it will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish that in the thing. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The power is in the Word of God. That is where the power is. And every missionary you support, every missions dollar you give goes so that people can hear the preaching of the Word of God. And that will, that will accomplish what God intends it to accomplish, and it will never return unto Him void. Even if people may not hear it, even if they refuse to believe it, it will not return unto Him void. You know, we don't need to know the how, how God's going to do it. We just need to obey. God promises that if we reap, we will sow. Psalm 126 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. It says there that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Do you ever weep for what you see going on in the world, for, for lost people? Some of the people that, that you saw in that video, it's easy to be angry at some of those people. They're doing, some of them are doing a lot of wicked things, but do you ever weep for them? Do you ever weep for your neighbor? Maybe you have a, a boss that's not that nice of a person, and it's tempting to, to be mad at them, but do you ever weep for them? Because they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I wonder if maybe we don't have as much reaping as we'd like because we don't weep like we should. There aren't the, the tears. We give the gospel. We might, you know, pass out a gospel tract, but, but we don't actually have tears for them. You know, God promises that if we do reap, if we do sow, that we will reap. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if, there's a condition here, if we faint not. We have to not faint. We have to not give up. Don't quit, don't quit giving. Don't quit 
trying to win this community for Christ. Don't give up, even though it seems hard. I know it's hard where we are too. We have, we're trying to start a Bible study in our home. We have passed out nearly a thousand flyers, a thousand invitations. We have that many people who have reached out so far to us as far as showing interest. That can, that can be discouraging if you let it. But the Bible says we shall reap if we faint not. Let us not faint. There might be months where you write your tithe and, and your missions check, wherever you give it, and Satan says, oh, you don't want to do that this month. Look at the bills you have to pay. Look at what you might be able to get. This shiny new object. Don't you want that? Isn't it nice? It looks nice, right? Your kids. Hey, are your kids going to be able to eat this month if you write that check? Your health concern. You know, are you going to pay that doctor's bill if you, if you write this check? If you send that money? The missions. Hey, look, they've got plenty of other churches supporting them. You've got your own needs to take care of. That's what Satan does to us. He lies to us and he wants to tempt us to faint, to give up in giving. Think about the example of a closed hand. You just close your hand. Now, you th may think that you, you gain by keeping, but the Bible says you actually lose when you keep. Luke 9.24, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. Many Christians are afraid to cast their bread upon the waters because they think they'll never see it again. And they hold on to it with everything they've got. And maybe it's true. Okay, you're not going to lose what's in there, right? You've got it. But guess what, guess what God can't do? He can't put anything in there either, right? But if you open your hand... And you just say, okay, Lord, use what you have given me however you will. And so, yeah, God will take. You're casting your bread upon the waters, right? Sowing seed, you're generous, you're giving. So, yeah, you're losing some, but guess what's going to happen? God's going to place even better things in your hand. And again, it may not be money. Maybe it'll be, maybe it's someone being saved, someone that you prayed for, a family member, a coworker, neighbor. Maybe it's your family um, growing closer to each other and closer to Christ. Maybe it's a relationship that, that has been wrecked, but it gets restored. Those are the kind of things that God places in our hand when we're, when we're generous. You know, maybe when a vehicle breaks down, maybe you don't get a brand new one, but it, maybe you get it fixed for free somehow. You never know. But if you won't let God take then God's not going to be able to place in your hands something else. <clears throat> the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, it says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. Now think about that. There's a person who scatters. They're just generous, just giving, just, you know. And the Bible says, yet increaseth. Now see, that doesn't work in our human understanding. Because man's idea says, the more I give, the less I have. How can I increase by giving everything. How, does that, how do I increase? There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat. The Bible says don't withhold. The Bible says that, that you have to give everything, every dollar that you earn in your paycheck, you have to give it away. 
The Bible says, him that withholdeth that more than that than is meat. Meaning that you're keeping back more than what you know you should. But it tendeth to poverty. How does that work? Think about this. I was just thinking about this earlier today. Um, I don't know why, but think about someone like um, Steve Jobs, right, from Apple. He died 12, 13 years ago, I think. He died one of the richest men on earth, right? What did that do for him spiritually? I mean, he had everything in the world you could want, right? Um, physically, um, all the things of the world you could want. And the moment that he died, he had nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I was thinking this too about the basketball player Kobe Bryant. You talk about a guy who had it all. I mean, money, fame, wealth, athletic ability. I mean, everything you could think of. More money than you could ever spend. The helicopter that he died in, he owned that helicopter. Think about that. But what did that do for him? The moment that he breathed his last breath and all the people that were with him, that was it. See, we think, we, the world says you gain by just collecting. Just collecting, you know. Collect, collect. Money, possessions. Just collect everything you can. Oh, and that's, that's, that's gain for you. The Bible says that is poverty. Oh, you might have the, the biggest house on the block. But what's going on inside that house? Is that a home that is honoring the Lord or not? See, there are people who have billions of dollars and yet they're, they're poor. From God's perspective, they're poor. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, they're super wealthy, right? The wealthiest men in the world, they have more money than some countries, than a lot of countries, and yet spiritually they are destitute. That's what the Bible talks, is talking about. The Bible says also in Proverbs 11, it says the liberal soul shall be made fat. Not liberal politically, but liberal in terms of you're generous, you're giving. Shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. You want God to bless you? Just be a blessing to others. We sing that tonight, make me a blessing. Uh, pray that God would make you a blessing. You know, what that means is if you pray to God, Lord, make me a blessing, you're going to have to start making some sacrifices. That means you're going to have to give money when maybe there's times when you don't want to give it. Or you take your time uh, to, to spend with another believer that maybe you wanted to do your own thing. That's part of being a blessing is going out of your way for someone else. I'll just say this. God will take care of you. He promised to take care of us. Philippians chapter 4 says, But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The context of that, that verse, is missions giving. Paul's writing to a church that had been giving him, supporting him. A church that he planted, but a church that was a blessing to him financially. They were giving to him. They were one of the, those churches in Macedonia. Philippi was the chief city there in Macedonia. They were generous to him. They didn't have it, but they were giving. And he said, My God shall supply all of your need. If you have a need, God will supply it. If, if you have placed yourself 
in a position to receive God's blessing. If you have cast your waters or cast your bread upon the waters, if you have been generous, uh, be obedient to what God would have you to give. Don't worry about what might be lost, but rather stand ready to receive what God will do.